Welcome to Shelving Cart. I'm Sarah. And I'm Teddy. And we're both librarians here to have a podcast book club with each other and all of you. On Shelving Cart, we talk about books like it's a one-hour book club meeting, so we talk about likes, dislikes, reviews, general feelings, and more. And generally completely spoil the book, so be warned. Today on our final episode of our sci-fi and fantasy season, we will be discussing The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. Ow, ow. So my warm-up question that I wrote today, Teddy, was as we come to the end of our sci-fi and fantasy season, have you learned anything about your likes like or dislikes of the sci-fi and fantasy genres? Okay. Yes, I have. I think... I confess this to you a little bit during our texting um, over the past week, but I think that actually it's really hard for me to get into high fantasy, like hard fantasy. There are 800 different castes and 10 different royal houses and there's a coup and there's military movement. Like I just have a hard time. That is not like an overall, like I liked this book, which is a military epic fantasy um, yeah, and has all of those things. But I think it just like is harder for me to get into them. Um, and that's, you know, I also loved The Poppy War, right? By R.F. Yeah. Kuang. Like, I like it. It's just harder for me to get into. This season has also, though, solidified for me my love of ridiculous sci-fi world building. <laughs> like it's so funny because it's like the same shit just like with technology and I'm like oh my god get me in there <laughs> so I don't really know what that says about me I um, think I think sci-fi stays more with the grounding in the current reality you know like that's I think makes it a little easier you don't have to do create a, an entire new world it's mm-hmm. like our world extended yeah you know but in terms of like what I like, you know, I've always been a sci-fi fantasy person. Like, I remember yeah. when I was little, my dad used to bribe me into reading a book that wasn't science fiction or fantasy. Like, he had to be like, please, <laughs> anything else. And um, I think what this season has solidified for me in terms of my likes about those genres is like the reflection that I get to do about the world that we live in. Um, and yeah. before we started recording Sarah and I were talking about how you know it's been a rough week as we record this um global political wise um it's just been really hard and you know this book talks about armies and indigenous peoples and colonialism and like all this good stuff and like the military industrial complex and like and I think like it you know it wasn't an escape from the week but it was certainly a helpful uh tool of reflection and that's something I value in sci-fi and fantasy a lot is like that grounding what about you anything from the season I definitely it's kind of almost like a little bit reverse is like I think this reaffirmed my like love for hard fantasy books like I can just get so into it um since I had read the rage of dragons before I was like couldn't wait for us to get to this book because of it um but I also I think it just also reaffirmed (laughs) like I really enjoyed the past three book stint that we did with um Octavia Ursula and then Evan Winter Mm -hmm. like I feel like that really just reaffirmed my love for for that um just because I think they're 
like Octavia Butler and Ursula K. Le Guin. They just like are the pinnacle of the genre. And I think that that has really, really reaffirmed my love for that. And the other important thing I learned is The Hunger Games. It's a really good series. (laughs) (laughs) So true. I learned that too. And I hope all of you did as well. Right. Cat, I'm a Katniss defender for life. For life, absolutely. <laughs> for life, absolutely. Get me a badge. I'm all in. I'm dying to know. I know that Evan Winter has like the most rock star badass bio in publishing. Um, would you <laughs> give us an overview of who this guy is? Oh, I hope I can live up to that well, that intro. Um, so Evan Winter, he was born in England to South American parents. But he was raised primarily in in Zambia. And for a long time, he has had many different like career trajectories. Um, He was a music video director and cinematographer for a long time, like 15 plus years. Um, I think that my opinion, you can definitely see like the cinematic quality in the in his writing. I'm nodding very heavily at the moment. (laughs) Very visceral right? You could see every sequence in the book. He has, he started writing um, because he's always loved fantasy. On his website, it said something like he realized the words in his head weren't going to be written by somebody else. So he kind of moved on from his uh, uh, directing career and started writing. Um, I love this quote from his website is that he quote, he remembers being 14 and sitting on his bed for countless hours in the summer reading Robert Jordan with Sarah McLaughlin's music playing in the background. <laughs> I know. The drama of being 14. Incredible. <laughs> I know. So good. He like, he loves all different sci-fi, fantasy stuff, everything. Um, But the very cool thing is that The Rage of Dragons, he originally self-published it in 2017 um, because he just wanted to write the story and he always felt like he didn't see himself represented in stories um, being a black author. And then um, in 2019, the book was picked up by Orbit Books and re-released and he does work under a publisher now. But he was part of that like self-publishing boom of sci-fi and fantasy books which is very cool um and then in a 2019 interview that's really beautiful it's like 45 minutes long um on youtube um with the account daniel green um it's a great interview check it out um he talked about just wanting to write about the problems of the world that he sees around him and to be able to inspect them and see them all laid out but not necessarily present answers Uh, to the situation yes yeah like we were just talking about so yes i which i think you can also again see in the book itself so yeah that's my background on evan winter yeah i just think it's so badass that he was like fuck it i'm self-publishing and then got picked up like that's very cool it's very cool and i and it just goes to show, like, the talent that is out there, too, in the self-publishing industry. Like, people put bad names for self-publishing, yes. and, like, if anything, this book does the absolute opposite of that. Massive respect to self-published authors. Yes. Um, okay, well, I'll read the book jacket. Yeah. With some ASMR for the, for the ASMR. Hit it in the mic. <laughs> right. Pardon. Here we go. Okay. And here we go with the pronunciation. There's no pronunciation guide. I checked 
I checked a lot of times. <laughs> there is nothing. Um, so Ursula K. Le Guin style, we are going to try our best. Um, okay, here we go. So the Omehi people have been fighting an unwinnable fight for 100,000 years. Their society has been built around war and only war. The lucky ones are born gifted. One in every 2,000 women has the power to call down dragons. One in every 100 men is able to magically transform himself into a bigger, stronger, faster killing machine. Everyone else is fodder, destined to fight and die in the endless war. Young, giftless Tao knows all of this, but he has a plan of escape. He's going to get himself injured, get out early, and settle down to the simple life, marriage, children, land until those closest to him are brutally murdered and his grief swiftly turns to anger. Fueled by thoughts of revenge, Tao dedicates himself to an unthinkable path. He'll become the greatest swordsman to ever live, a man willing to die a hundred thousand times for the chance to kill the three who betrayed him. Dun, dun, dun. Um, that's, a good, that's a good book jacket. Fully, yes, it is. In terms of the reviews on the book jacket, um, I have one that Sarah is going to love. <laughs> yes. From S.A. Chakraborty, author of The City of Brass. <laughs> and The Adventures of Amina Alsorov. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> which I still haven't read, but we're getting there. Chakraborty says, The Rage of Dragons takes the best parts of epic fantasy and sets them in a refreshing and inventive new world, um, which I think is absolutely true. Um, and then... All of the other authors are, so there's no New York Times, no LA Times, like there's no Publishers Weekly reviews on my copy. I don't know about yours. I have a, I have a Publishers Weekly, but I have a paperback, so it's probably just released after. That's why. I've got the pu- a Publishers Weekly if you want. I will take it, but just to say that like all of the authors, aside from Chakraborty, I've never heard of before. We've, mm. And I don't know if that's because I'm just so uneducated or if because, like, these are his friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've got Anthony Ryan, author of Blood Song, David Dalglish, author of Shadow Dance, Anna Stevens, author of Godblind, Micah Yango, author of Lost Gods. Um, so I think, like, in general, they all loved it is the big news, but the chakraborty review, I think summed it up. What's the, uh, pub week. Actually going to read the, the library journal one winter's debut will draw strong comparisons to George R. R. Martin and Brandon Sanderson and the strong African influences and ties create a singular exciting epic with intriguing characters and culture. Readers will be clamoring for the next installment. True. I've actually been seeing essay chakraborty on like a lot of books. And every time I see it, I'm like, well, I could, I think I could read that. Right. Although N.K. Jemison led me down the wrong path. I recently read a book while I was on vacation, while I was stalling reading this monster of a book. In case you guys don't know, it's like a 500-page book, and it's all hard fantasy. And I was like, ooh. So I was having a little trouble. And obviously, I was in Seattle, and Seattle has a lot of really good bookstores. So I picked something out from the science fiction and fantasy section that had a review from N.K. Jemison that was like positively glowing. And I was like, perfect. And the title was Docile. And the subtitle was There Is No Consent Under Capitalism. And I was like, oh my God, fab. What is this? And then it was just a sexy story with no resolution. 
and I was very disappointed. So NK recently is kind of on my shit list <laughs> in terms of book recommendations. Like, damn, I know it's tough, tough out there. Still love everything she's ever written, but it's <laughs> it's it's the wild west in terms of reviews. Apparently, I have some good reads. One from two people near and dear to your heart. The f- but I'll give you stats. Great. First. Okay. So. 52% of people on Goodreads gave this a five-star review, Damn. which is very high. 32% gave it four stars. 10% gave it three. 2% gave it two. And 1% gave it one. That's bonkers. That's some yeah. bonk stats right there. I know. They're not not mixed. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's just not mixed reviews. It's in the solidly 84% gave it either five or or four stars. That's wild. So shout out Evan. Yeah. Because that's really impressive. That's crazy. That's very impressive. Because yeah. the people of Goodreads are not easy to please. Um, okay. So first review is me. When I read this book <laughs> in the spring. <laughs> this book was incredible. It hit the ground running and barely ever stopped. For those who loved the Poppy War, this is an excellent one to read. I am so excited to see the ne- the, where the next one takes the plot and characters. The way the world building was built into the action meant that you didn't have pages of world building to push through. You're simply dropped into the action, and while disori- disorienting to begin with, after about 20 pages, you're in it. My only note is... I wish Zuri got more character development slash perspective. Regardless, this is one of my favorite fantasies bo- fantasy books I've read in a long time. Five stars from me. Now, even more near and dear to Teddy's heart, Mr. Rick Riordan <laughs> gave this book five stars. And he wrote a very long, thorough review. Good. But I just picked out the last paragraph. <clears throat> This novel is rich and complex. I would recommend giving it 50 pages or so before passing judgment because there's a lot of new terminology to take in. All the different names for the casts, the people, the vocabulary of magic, not to mention the characters who often carry multiple names and titles. But once you get the hang of the world building, you will be hooked. The chapters are short and breathless and will carry you through a rip-roaring good story. This is one of those books where you find yourself thinking, okay, just one more chapter. Then you look up and realize you read half the book. I'm delighted to see that there will be a sequel. Pre-ordering now. Fab. That is amazing. And I do agree with everything that he said. I will say that I have gotten roasted for the way we've been pronouncing Rick Rick's name. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been informed that it's Riordan. Riordan? Okay. <laughs> yes. Although, here's, here's another thing from Rick's review that I want to comment on. I think... I have issues with the way that this book started. I felt that it was very slow. Sarah, mm. if you recall, you did text me and say, get through the prologues. The prologue, just get through them and yeah. keep going. And so I I felt those were kind of a slog. But I will also say that a part of the reason why they were the slog is because there were like so many new vocabulary words. And I was like, ah, what the hell is going on? I also will will note that it, the prologue's 22 pages long, and so my review, I said around 20 pages. Yes, fab, perfect. <laughs> so this is the thing, though, is that when I tell people to read Dune, I always say, first 100 pages, just let it wash over you. Yeah. 100, 100 pages I give Frank Herbert. So if I can give Frank 100, 
yeah. I can easily give Evan 22. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not that mad about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I am so excited that Rick yes. said that. Very yes. Cute. Yes. Okay. Wait. So how do you say his last name? Riordan. Riordan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. Great. I'm not. A, I'm not a Percy Jackson stan. So it's it's not ever been something that. <laughs> My con- my confession for the group is that I've been really thinking about rereading Percy Jackson. You should. I mean, why right? not? Like we've been we've been dabbling into the YA middle grade blend recently. I definitely read all of the ones that were out when I was in the appropriate age group. It just like I'll let you know if they're worth revisiting. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I get through my reread, I'll I'll let you know. Okay. So this book, as we have mentioned, is long. There's there's a lot happening, and um, we're going to try something new with our discussion today in that I am not going to read you a page and a half of summary, um, which was as much as I could cut it down to, um, but we are going to go through the summary sort of piece by piece and bring up things as they come up and see if that's maybe a more digestible way of processing this book, just because, <laughs> Sarah, I don't know if this, like, rings true to you but like for me when I was writing it I was like okay but in order to like say this big plot point I have to explain about two tiers of background information for each thing you know like it's it's all connected um all right so with that in mind the book opens with what I will politely call a slow warm-up it's those prologues right um and we meet Queen Typha and she has brought her people, both called the Omehi and the Chosen, over sea, some distance, like a long <laughs> distance, um, to a new land to escape something called the Cull. Um, we don't know really what that is yet, just that it's the Cull. Um, the peninsula they land on, though, is already occupied, and she sees no choice um, in terms of the survival of her people but to take it by force. Um, So there's like a beach war, essentially. With dragons. With dragons. So that's the other thing is like, it it becomes sort of like, because the dragons don't come with Typha. Like she doesn't bring them with her. She has to find them first. Yes. And then once that happens, she's able to sort of turn the tide a little bit with dragon fire. Yes. 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 I do think that the prologue is... um slow but it's like you said it's because of the vocab so that is like the um the classic fantasy like just trust it and you'll figure it out later situation where you're like i'm going on vibes there's new words um there is a glossary at the back of my copy of the book there is mine as well so paperback hardcover it's got you covered just yes that was a bad joke but it does have you covered (laughs) you can look at the glossary Get off the stage. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Get yeah. off the stage. Use the cane. I know. But <laughs> truly, you can use the glossary, and it is helpful. Um, yes, um, it is It is helpful. Especially yes, because definitely... a lot of words start with I. Like, and so e. many. So and many. E. Yes. And E. Lots of vowels. That's okay. Yeah. Yes, it definitely started slow with that part. Um, it was interesting because when I reread it, I remember when I first read this book, I was at home. I had, I think I was on the tail end of having COVID actually. And so I had like, just like two days to like 
I was feeling better, but I had nothing to do. So I um, read, started, I picked up this book and I remember being like, well, that's crazy. After the first, like, <laughs> after the prologue, I started reading it. I was like, I cannot stop reading this. Like I gasped multiple times. I was like enthralled in the drama of the story. I would say like rereading it within six months of the first time reading it. Um, a little less so. A little more the pacing at the beginning caught me. So. I think all that really matters is your first read through. Judge, yes. Don't judge a book by its cover or its second read. <laughs> first read only. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So then the book time jumps 200 years. Um, and we meet our protagonist, Tao. And we find that Typha's people are still holding the peninsula, but they're still at war with the natives of the land. And it's... The Cheetan. Yes? Cheetah? Che- Cheetan? I was going with the, the Z. The Z. Ooh, I, interesting. The oh, Zedeen. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. So, again, <laughs> we have no idea. So, there is an audiobook. Oh, oh, neither of there. I did not have access to it. So. Right in, right in. If you have, yeah, I my library didn't have it, and I was kind of pissed. Um, okay, so the natives of the land, people indigenous to the peninsula, are the Zidan, and Typha's people, the Omehi, have grown in population and have sort of like developed this complex caste and military system. Um, nominally in order to survive, right? But you're definitely off the bat getting military industrial complex vibes. Like it's not sneaky. Um, so Tao is a low common. That's his case, uh, cast. Um, and that's because his father is low common, but he does have a high common mother, which is very taboo. Uh, and he's friends with Jabari. Well, yeah, I actually go. think he, he is high, high common base technically because it goes off of your mother's lineage because he corrects people at the beginning saying he is high common not low common that's so true pardon right but he goes through this sort of like yes um actually Um, actually. no but it's it's true um and that the reason why that's confusing is because he goes through sort of an identity shift as the book goes on um right but he has a high common mother but he lives with his dad um and he's friends with Jabari, who is a lesser noble. So that's a bump up or two. Um, but Tao's father trains both boys to get them ready for their military initiation tests. Um, Tao doesn't want to go into the military because he's in love with this handmaiden named Zuri, who is very pretty. And that's her whole thing. She's just uh, so she's, gorgeous. She's also curvy. Oh, I'm sorry. Pardon. She is, she's pretty and curvy. End yeah. of list. <laughs> she, she's pretty curvy and she does speak all of the background context that we need in the book. So true. She is and totally then, a and voice. Then dies. <laughs> she's the totally end. a voice for world building and then a martyr. Dies. Yeah. <laughs> a martyr so that Tao can get together with the, right. the queen. Totally. I mean, I will say that the Jabari stuff took up, I would say, okay, so here's my secret secret, is that the prologues were slow, but I understood that I needed to get through them for the world building. We spend a good hunk of the book, maybe the first quarter, with Jabari 
and in Kedem, which is where Tao lives. And a lot of that, I feel, was slow and long. Yeah. (laughs) It just kind of felt like, "Eh, all right. Like, we needed it because there was no way to condense all of that world building. Yeah. Um, So I get the dilemma. It's not like I'm like, oh... It was relationship building, like inciting event building, which yeah. I do appreciate because it, the inciting event is obviously Aaron's father. I mean, Tao's father, Aaron, dying, yeah. rather. Yeah. Um, so it was like lead up to the inciting event. And at least we got some payoff with Jabari coming back at the end. Right. But he comes back at the end and has like, what, two lines of dialogue and there's no <laughs> like discussion of their like fallout or anything whatever we'll get into it but like i was very annoyed with how much time we spent with jabari at the beginning only for them to sort of separate and then to only have jabari come back for like two seconds jabari also cute little dude like i have nothing against jabari i was like excited to see him flower into the man i knew he could be from the child that he was and i just like didn't get that you know i think that he was kind of like a halfway foil to tau I would say like he wasn't all the way, but he was to pre- present like the balance, I guess, in the cast system to right. show like that separation yes. between them. And no matter how much they were friends, it's like you see Jabari at points use Tao's status against him in his cast. Yes. In their friendship. Like if you're like a, you know, like a 17 year old and you're mad at your friend, imagine if you could use like their status in your cast system against them. Right. When you're mad at that. It's kind of like, well, you're a band nerd. Um, yeah but worse <laughs> yeah it's like it's like it's like okay you can be mean to me but at the end of the day you have to like you can be mad at me but you have to do what i say because i'm higher up than you right and that was sort of the part of him that i was excited to watch him grow out of. you know like i was like oh he's gonna grow up and then it just didn't happen um okay so we spent a long time with jabari and tau and Aaron. yeah so Tao accompanies his father, Aaron, uh, Jabari, and then Jabari's brother, Lakan, to Jabari's initiation test for the military. And in the process of warm-ups, Tao is sort of goaded slash forced into warming up another noble kid. So, like, not Jabari, who he practices with all the time, but just a sort of, like, random loser noble kid. And this random loser insists on using a real sword during warm-up instead of a practice sword. Um, Tao beats him, which causes some sort of, like, great offense. He, like, doesn't kill the kid. He just sort of, like, I think at one point he, he like, trips him or, like, hits him really hard or something. He knocks over. He gets knocked over, yeah. Right. Um, and that this is a big to-do because Tao is, uh, you know, technically a high common, but, like, you know, his dad is low common, so there's some waffling about that and so there's a resulting sort of like honor duel in which Tao's father steps in for Tao uh, and is killed Um, and Tao blames three people for this and the way that it went down Lakan Jabari's brother Kellen Okar who is roughly a little older than Tao and Jabari he's like in military school but is still not, you know, he's an old teenager. Um, and Odili, who yes. is a, um, who is Kellen's mentor, Kellen Okar's mentor, and also sort of like 
the little finger of this book. Like he's just kind <laughs> of a um, finger in every pot sort of guy. Like he is definitely pulling puppet strings politically. Um, and so Tao up until this point has been like, I just want to like get injured in my initiation test and run away. But now he's like full Inigo Montoya is like, you killed my father, prepare to die. Like is like really <laughs> ready. And in a throwback to our earlier episode. I know. I, I actually was thinking about that. Too. Yeah. Like, and so he, he wants revenge real bad. And the only way he sees himself getting it is by getting into the military and then using his military status to challenge all three of these men into honor duels. Kellen Okar is like the most talented and shit that the army like has at this point in time or like training or student or whatever. In my and, head, he's very handsome. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he is a like um, he his uncle is the queen queen's um champion which is like the highest honor for a man Mm -hmm. in this society and well because the champion isn't just like her best soldier he also like gives her her children yes they they mate um (laughs) i know boo yeah i know sorry sarah j mass just popped out of me okay um so um but what's important though is kellen's dad is a traitor so he was like he was um uh he was killed by the government uh for being a traitor so so kellen is sort of like making up for his dad's uh cowardice is the line so aaron took on tao's like blood debt basically um and Kellen tried to compromise in this situation by cutting off Tao's dad's hand and saying, look, I've made, I've taken away what makes him a man. So he can't like swing his sword anymore. Um, but no, he gets, he gets killed. Swing anyway. his sword. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's no longer a man. What? He can't swing his sword. It just sounds very phallic. But I guess that's what I know. swords are. That's like the yes, line. and also I mean I feel like that's part of it. Too. It's all part. Of like it. it, it is like the 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 sword is in this society the most important thing that a man can have. So right, there's lots of talk about the swords, and also the Zidan, their women fight, but the yeah. Omehi women, with the exception of the gifted, who we'll get into in a in a hot sec. Um, yes. don't fight and even the gifted don't take up arms so the sword is very um masculine okay worm so when tau gets back home he's banished right like he can go to his father's funeral pyre but that's it lakan is like get the fuck out um before leaving he finds out that zuri is gifted uh which means that she has magical powers and she needs to be trained it is understood that, like, she can't run away with him. Like, that's sort of the best alternative plan, right? Like, he's banished, but she could potentially come with him, but she can't because gifted are so rare that if she ran, she'd get tracked down and then, like, forced to join the military. Um, so Tao decides that his next best plan is getting into the military and training after all 
and then once inside using his military status to challenge Lacan, Okar, and Odili into duels to the death. Um, and in a supremely teenager move, he goes to visit Lacan before he leaves for his initiation test just to say, I'm gonna kill you. Like, not to, <laughs> not to like, do it, but just to, just to sow some seeds of fear. Um, and then in the resulting brawl that they have, he bashes Lacan's head in and does kill him. So that's one down, but by accident. Yeah. Yeah. In his, his Arya Stark list of deaths that must occur, Fully one down. True. One down from the Arya list. Right. I think he even like gets himself to go to sleep one night thinking of the names of the people he wants to kill. That's so. true. That does happen. Um, so Arya coded. Arya coded. Exactly. So like, I mean, okay, Lacan, we find out like, throughout the first half of this book is like in general bad news it's not just that he like sort of finagled because Lacan is also the one that like had Tao fight this like dweeby lesser noble to begin with so he's the guy that put Tao in this situation but he also was like whatever this guy's dead like I don't even care like he was kind of a dink about it but then also we found out that he like sexually assaulted a girl, blamed her for it. And then when they were banished instead of hung, which was his preferred punishment, he had his men track them down and kill the whole family. Um, So he is evil with a capital E. Um, So Tao's first murder, you're sort of like, okay, justified, justified. Like, yeah, for sure. You know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Should we talk about the magic system? Would you give a brief overview? Because this shit's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So in the book, there's like a very important magic system um, that we slowly learn more and more about. But at the beginning, um, so uh, what was the queen's name? The original queen's name? Typha. Okay. So at the beginning, Typha, um, she can uh, control the dragon um, with other chosen. or other gifted, rather, other gifted because they can control it and garner power from basically this underworld um, called uh, Is- Ishigo. Ishi- How would you say it? It's the, it, it, it's I-S-I. Oh, yeah. It's I-S-I-H-O-G-O. So yeah. I've been saying Ishigo. <laughs> Isihogo? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. Okay, so he draws. So the underworld is called Isihogo, and so um, that's like they can, can. The gifted, what happens is they, um, when they go into Isihogo, they don't attract demons because they can shroud themselves. Like that's the gifted skill. And um, so that means that's what Zuri can do. So what she can do is send other, they like will let out a wave of enervation and it puts everyone in the path of the wave into the underworld and basically like stuns them because in the underworld you get attacked and killed by demons. Um, so they go into battle and can do that. And the reason they can do that is they can have that shroud that keeps them safe when they're in the underworld. Um, but if they get caught when they're in the underworld, they get what's called a, um, a blood death, I believe it's called, um, where they like 
um, are killed by the demons for real. Because when you take energy from Isihogo, you are at risk of actually dying. If you're just there and a demon attacks you, you feel pain like you're dying and getting ripped apart, but you do not actually die. Um, which is worse? I don't know. Um, so <laughs> Arguable. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely arguable. So that means that Zuri is gifted because she can shroud herself in the in the underworld. Anyway, continue on. Right. Yeah, I mean it's complex, but right. Yeah, that Oh, the the yeah. other thing is there are fighters who can the their enter the the gifted what they do is if you're a strong enough fighter at the highest cast, they do what's called enraging and they enrage you with the power of Isihogo so you get bigger and are even stronger fighter. Yes. Um, but the, those are like the highest up warriors in the army. Yeah, you get, yeah. you physically get big. <laughs> you get big. Yeah. You get big. <laughs> um, All right, continue on, continue on. Great. So Tao gets into the military after the initiation test and he's accepted into Scale Jayed, which is basically... This guy named Jayed, it's his unit. Um, he's sort of like, I don't know, army shit, but he's like the commander, right, of that unit. Yeah. yeah. And Jayed convinces Tao and like all the other kids in scale Jayed that if they put in a fuck ton of effort, they can beat nobles, essentially. Like his whole thing is like, the way that we've been practicing for the military is not working. I think I have a better method. Most of that method is just try harder. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but like. Instill the confidence. He's right. basically doing placebo effect. If you confidently believe that you can do it. Right. Because like. You can. Right. Because the thing is, is that like the caste system comes with this sort of like inbuilt system of beliefs because it's a caste system. And like essentially it's like the idea is that lessers and commons in general like just cannot stand up to nobles in a test of like physical strength or like goodness at sword. Um, so this scale is sort of like working on Jayet is working on like getting closing that gap essentially, both in terms of mind and practical use. Um, Jayet's like an interesting guy. It's sort of like he's been ousted from, like service to the queen um he used to be like an advisor and has sort of been like demoted back to this position of like scaling common or of leading a scale of common soldiers essentially yes um yes. in case anyone doesn't get it scale is in dragon scale yeah 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 <laughs> it took me embarrassingly yes. long to figure that out <laughs> um but i got there i got there in the end um anything to add about jayad sarah um, he's like more our classic morally gray character. Like he cares about people, but he has his own motives behind everything else. I would say he's like gray to mostly good, but he's got that like edge. He yeah, he's got that edge. You know, he's not always doing things for the plain faced reason of lifting up comments. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, is anyone <laughs> ever doing that? Right. No. Um, yes. Okay. So another thing that happens in military training is that like. You do a lot of scrimmages, essentially, <laughs> where you're, like, fighting other scales. And um, one thing that happens, uh, like, with sort of frequency is that, like, the lower cast scales are pitched against noble scales 
um, to give the noble scales practice at like defeating hordes of Zedan. So during these military scrimmages, like they all take place at the central city and Tao, you know, will fight a scrimmage and then go into the city with his like scale buddies um, to drink. But on his first visit in, he sees Zuri in the street. Um, and so he runs into Zuri multiple times. They do some smooching and some catching up. And she sort of lets him in on the fact that she's actually very powerful gifted. Um, and she also teaches Tao how to go to Isihogo. So it turns out that like anyone can go, but the, you know, if you need to conceal yourself to like do anything in there. Um, but the important part is that no matter what you can get in, you can get out and you can fight demons. Um, she warns him that the demons can't hurt him, right? Unless he draws power from Isihogo. Um, and she also lets him know that 50 breaths in Isihogo is equivalent to like one breath in the real world, right? So like time is very slow or whatever the fuck, like time works differently. So you can spend a lot of time in Isihogo and wake up in the real world and like not a lot of time has passed. Um, thoughts on their little clandestine meetups? I found them very boring. I just, Zuri's just like the most like plot device of a character. I think I've like in like the top that I've ever read. It's like, she like pops up to be like, by the way, right. you know, right. like, so I'm like, how do they just keep accidentally meeting up? At the first one, it's, it's like, oh, come on. After that, I guess it makes sense. They're like, no to look for each other there right. whenever they get a chance. So, but Yeah. She's just, she's info, she's info dump time. Expository um, information, for sure. Expository information through a character, which is not the worst way to get it's information. better than a wall of text, for sure. It's better, because she, they're having a conversation and getting mad at each other. Like, we got, we got that going. I kept thinking about the Ursula K. Le Guin quote when she was like, went back and rewrote and wrote more in the Earthsea cycle because she realized she was using women as props. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Evan, knock, knock. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that book two would, because it's going to definitely feature the queen. Yes. We'll have, and her sister and her sister. So it'll have more in that regard. Hopefully they will not yeah. be queens as in on a chessboard but rather full and human uh, yes. people uh, hopefully their main trait is not curvy right. i think actually every woman in this book was curvy even the warriors for the tough <laughs> oh my god i don't know oh boy it's like the fantasy where he's like and the, our heroine was so teeny tiny you could put your his big hands across her teeny tiny waist. Her childlike her body. Right, yeah. Her tiny little baby waist. <laughs> it was barely 15 inches. Like, you're like, okay. All right, yeah, it did. She was so petite, she could be put in a little tiny pocket. <laughs> and yet, she was so strong, too. Right. Oh, my God. So true. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Zuri slander aside. <laughs> Tao takes this information, right, where he's like, oh, anyone can get in there? perfect and like the little demented fucker that he is bent on revenge he starts going and killing demons like he loses every time 
but he's basically figured out that he can get an almost infinite amount of practice sesh time in by going to Isihogo, killing demons until he's like fully rattled in the brain and then going to sleep and waking up and doing it all over again. He dies like a thousand very painful deaths and develops severe PTSD, but he does get way better at fighting. Um, yes, and it's a- around this time where he figures out to use two swords. Yes, yes. He he becomes famous for this in like skirmishes with like in scrimmages with other scales is that like he's the two sword guy. Um, yeah, which is honestly iconic of a him. little hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like at the beginning where he's like, I don't like to use a shield. I was like, second sword, <laughs> second sword. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's like, the two-handed broadsword was too heavy. I was like, second sword. (laughs) And Sarah's prayers were answered, and Tao gets a second sword. And so he gets, like, really good at both. Um, Right. So it's around this time in the book, if you're like, wow, this is all a little politically complicated. No, it's not, because it's around this time in the book that shit starts to get very politically complicated. So one night, Tao follows Jayed out of camp. And learns that Jayed is conspiring with or collaborating with Odili, who you'll remember is on the Arya list, the Queen, and the Zidan to cultivate a peace deal. And this peace deal basically states that the Queen will marry a Zidan warlord's son, Kana, and that the Omehi will give Jayed's daughter, who is also gifted, like Zuri, to the Zidan to teach them magical skills that the Omehi know. So Tao, like a champ, sort of takes this information and is not like pissed about any sort of betrayal, but is like, fuck, the old order is falling. The war machine will collapse and I will no longer have a method by which I can challenge everyone I hate to a blood duel. So like, he's not like anti-peace. He's just like, the time crunch is on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, he's a he's a little one note. You yeah. know, it's it is called the Rage of Dragons. He's very focused on revenge. He's enraged so... for sure, but not in the way that the yeah. book uses the word enraged. He's just regular <laughs> emotionally enraged. He is. He's gone through a traumatic inciting event. Yeah. And... <laughs> trying to resolve that in a way that only a repressed young man could do (laughs) oh my god a traumatic inciting event so true in terms of like every fantasy novel i've ever read i know our hero our hero must go through a traumatic inciting event is it hard fantasy otherwise yeah yeah is lose his heroes in order to become the hero of the story so true um it's so real okay great so moving on (laughs) Tao knows about the peace deal, whatever. But also what's coming up is something called the Queen's Melee. And the Queen's Melee is basically when the best scales get together and fight each other to figure out who's the best of the best, essentially. And Scale Jayed is the only common group to make it to the Queen's Melee. Um, And they're the first common group to do so in like, what, 16 years, I think. So it's been a long time. Uh, Like, yeah, a long time, yeah. The last group was actually Jayad's group. Right. When you, and they came in last place. Right. They came in 16th. It was like not, right, out of 16. So Tao wants to use the melee as an excuse to kill Kalinokar. 
Um, but when they finally meet in the third round of the melee, which again, for a common group to make it that far is like a huge deal. It becomes impossible. Tao can't do it. He's outnumbered. Um, but he's sort of becoming a people's hero. Like he's the, what did they call him? It's like the common with two swords or something. It's like the, the, the common of Kedem, uh, the common of Kedem. Kedem. Okay. Yeah. So, right. He's sort of becoming a people's hero. Like people on the way back from these matches are like saluting him. Um, there's like a little bit of political unrest where people are like, we're not so far below you that the common of Kedem can't beat the nobles in a fight. Like there's a lot of like, um, striking garment workers energy (laughs) happening in this section of the book. Absolutely. Um, and so even though he loses that match, um, some of that is going on. Um, but then, uh, what ends up happening is that after that third round, the Zedan attack. It's just like an absolute mob swarm horde of Zedan attacking the Queen's melee, right? And um, Tao is forced to work with not only his sword brothers in Scale Jayed, but also Kellen Okar in the battle. Um, and he sort of links up with a couple important sword brothers, Zuri and Kellen Okar, Um to fight their way out. And it becomes clear that Odili organized a coup <laughs> by having Jayed's daughter, who was sent home with the Zedan essentially to destroy the Zedan home city so that the Zedan would then retaliate. And then we could blame it all on the queen or she would die. And then I'm actually not quite sure she would die. And then, yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, it's a coup. It's a political coup. Yeah, but like from the outside, because the it's queen agreed, the queen agreed with Jayad, and so Odili did not want to lose power. So he is priming the queen's sister to take over after the coup, because uh, Odili was going to have his the people on his side of the coup just kill the queen. Right. Just just do murder. Up until this point. To be clear, we have not met, we have not met the queen. Uh, the queen's name is Tsiora. She's off. She's obviously named after Tsiori, who was the first queen Taifa's champion. But we don't know her. Like she, she hasn't. She, We've seen her from afar. And, she, and guess she's what? beautiful and curvy. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we know about her. Um, and that's it. Uh, okay. So, right, the coup is happening. Tao, Kellen Okar, and Jabari, who is in Kellen Okar's scale. So Jabari is back. And Zuri, along with a couple of other soldiers who we know and love and some of whom are my favorite characters, but they didn't make it into the summary because the summary is already very long. They all go to the keep. (laughs) Hadith. 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 Okay, we're moving on, but I love Hadith. Um, Go to the keep where the queen is to rescue her from Odili. Um, And Tao wins some fights with crazy odds, right? Like as is our boys want to do with all of his demon training. Um, And ultimately it comes down to a choice. Like one thing you need to understand about this book is like, there's a lot of military movement and none of it is glossed over. It's not like, 
okay, and some decisions were made, and now we're here. It's like you get really walked through every sword arc in this book. So, like, after a complicated mess of events, what essentially happens is that Tao is forced to choose between his loyalty to the queen and his desire for revenge against Odilian Okar. And what that essentially means is that he lets Odili get away and teams up with Kellen Okar to save the queen. Um, during the battle with the Zedan and also the coup, Zuri dies. She is uh, blasted by dragon fire and just totally incinerated. Um, Tao is obviously distraught. The queen brokers a one month peace deal <laughs> with the Zedan uh, who are fucking pissed um by giving them back her betrothed guy kana um and you know she's like is kana's life worth one month and they're like yeah so she gets one month to deal with it all um a lot happens in this part of the book it's maybe 50 pages of just like ah! um sarah thoughts feelings it, it it is a lot yeah we'll have to when you finish this we'll have to just quickly loop back to dragons okay we for a second let's loop yeah okay so let's just end it up so the book ends with tau in the infirmary and queen siora coming to visit him and she tells him that odili has taken control of the queen's younger sister and has set up a false government in another city in palm city um and she, the omehi people are now divided between two possible queens but they need to be united for the coming war against the Zedan, who are not dealing well. Like, they don't like the way that they were used in this coup, right? All they know is that their city was destroyed and they're pissed. So the war is about to get worse than it has been, and it has been pretty bad. So she asks Tao to be her champion. And the book fucking ends. <laughs> yeah. And for to be clear... Tao is at the basically the bottom rung of the caste system, and the champion usually comes from the top. The champion has never come from below the top, right. and he, the common of uh, Kedem, yeah, Kedem, the common of Kedem is now the champion of the queen, which so is crazy. Things are being shaken right. up, and again, yeah. it, the reason she asks is at least in part if not wholly because of that like garment worker strike energy that he's bringing to the whole thing where it's yes. like she knows that Odili will easily have support from the nobles but what she needs then is support from the common so yes. that's like yes. her whole reasoning yes yes so Bring us back to dragons just to loop yeah. back to the dragons really quickly the other important thing is that the dragons the reason why they like even become in rain in enervated in rain no sorry within range oh. of the people no in rage in rage in range yeah. of, in, the reason why the dragons become within range of like to be uh enervated or uh, whatever the other e word is, is because the 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 castle and the government has a baby dragon that they use and trap to call the adult dragons to it. Talk about the people um, who walk like, away from the... Omelas by Ursula K. Le Guin. I know, right. I know, I know. Or like um, the Broken Earth by N. K. Jemison. Yeah. Um. So. Sh- 
So part of like why does Diener like get out is because the dragons keep burning everything. Yeah, you know, like they keep coming and burning everything, and they're like their energy is messing up with the whole like, ecosystem of this country. So, yeah, or this land. It's not necessarily a country, but a peninsula. Um, but yeah. So, do you have? lingering thoughts that you would like to share no i mean it's just so much but i there are a couple of things that i feel that we should come go over um in terms of thoughts feelings questions concerns um yeah okay well overall did you like it yes overall i liked it i would say that i read the back half on a flight home and had no problem sitting and focusing on it Um, I think like one of my favorite things about it was that like every end of the chapter felt like a fucking cut to commercial, you know, like when like in a TV show, like something really dramatic happens and then there's a commercial and then you come back and like the feeling is still very high and you're still very invested. That's exactly what the ends of chapters felt like in this book. Like it really was very driven and kept you going. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I really liked a lot of the minor characters too. Um, and those kept me invested as well. Um, there were some things that I could like take or leave, you know, like I, I can't, I'm not. So I don't know, Sarah, when you read a book, do you see pictures? You watch a little movie in there? Yes. Yeah, I do. So I don't. I do. And so I'm just like reading the words and processing information and so like one of the things that's really hard for me about this book is like all the sword fights <laughs> i'm like yeah who's winning i don't <laughs> like it's really hard for me to follow like intense battle sequences which this book had quite a number of um but i definitely got through it for the point which was good yeah i already know yeah. you love it Absolutely. but do you want to say more about why you love it yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I definitely think that the high points became higher the f- second time I read it, and the lower points became lower the second the second time. Like, I might be sitting more in, like, the f- four, four and a half stars range now after reading it a second time. I know you said the first time is what matters, but I, I think, I mean, I think it's truly so, like, such an involved story, but it also, like, I do agree with my sentiment that it just trusts the reader to figure out what's going on. And I do appreciate that. There's like a little lack of hand holding, which I think is nice. Um, I liked that the th- like three insert chapters mm-hmm. that or the four insert yeah. chapters that were not from Tao's perspective. Yes. I really ap- appreciated that like little tiny shift. Like we got one from um, uh, Lekin, Lekan, mm-hmm. the brother. Mm-hmm. Jabari's brother. Um, we got one from Jayed, and we got one from um, one of the Hadeni, like the Hidina fighter, and then we got um, one from uh, Tesoria at the end. So um, I liked all of those. I feel like that kept like the pace of the book interesting, and it was like placed very smartly, oh, like yeah. right at the moment where you could use somebody else's perspective. That's when it was in there. So I thought that was really smart. But yeah. 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 A lot of this book was incredibly smart. And I will say also, remember when I was like really 
bitching about Witch King and being like all the reviews being like this book doesn't baby you like blah, blah, blah. and we were like talking about how like it was mostly just confusing and then it would baby you at key moments that were annoying this book actually doesn't yeah. baby you in a way that is good and challenging but also informative and nice yeah I think it slowly unravels with the like complexity of it and gives you a little bit at a time so you're like I get it now I get it now like you add layers to your understanding that actually kind of match up with Tao's understanding of the world that he is in like as Tao's understanding of like the caste system and the magic and everything of the world opens like that's when yours opens too so you don't there's not a whole lot of like dramatic irony in the story there I don't think there's any like you learn things at the same pace as Tao does which is nice for a fantasy novel because you don't have to like get info dumped Mm -hmm. in some weird way right at some point which is nice yeah who was your favorite character um i definitely think it's like the cat the lower cast of characters you know no pun intended um it is like (laughs) our b-list celebrities right yes our b-list celebrities like his all of um tao's friends in scale giant i feel like those are my those were my favorites those were my favorites definitely what about you those are my boys yeah no i agree there's like there's two big stars of scale jayad that are not tau and are also heavily like featured in the book um there's hadith and uduak yes <laughs> and yes. hadith is very cute in that he's like a very strategically minded like good military guy and also just like a good friend uduak is like big friendly giant coded like he's exactly like fezzik and he's enemies to best friend too like that's his enemies towered him uh, start as enemies and ended up best friends which i really like and i like all of his sequences where he's like you've got a demon in you to tell he's like he's like i wasn't used to being i thought i was always gonna be the best at fighting he's like but seeing you has actually made me calm down he's like actually i don't know if i want to be like that (laughs) yeah their friendships were just so pure that like i loved them all for sure a feeling that I had when I was reading this book was like, especially the second time. And I remember the first time feeling like the eventuality of where the story was going, where like this whole system of government was going to fall apart, was going to happen. Um, the second time I found myself like a little mad, extra mad about it was I was like mad waiting for like the caste system to get broken and for everyone to be like, recognize what the fuck was going on did you have like that feeling at all in the, when you were reading it were you mad about the caste system the whole time being like when the hell is this gonna end i wasn't mad but i was like waiting and waiting and waiting for the dissolution you know like yes. i was just sort of like totally i believed in evan <laughs> That no one was like, this is a good and just system and it will remain this way for the rest of the series. Like, I never (laughs) thought that that was an option. So I was like, okay, when's it going to happen? Oh, now? Oh, no, no. Oh, now? Oh, no, no. Like, I had a couple of real fake out moments. And it was also, but like, that was part of the joy to me. Like, I had a lot of time trying to figure out, like, 
initially I thought maybe Tao was going to be like the superhero hero of the thing and like figure out how to sort of like smash the system by himself. And then that didn't really end up happening. Um, then I thought maybe Tao was going to go super villain. And I was like, that's interesting. And then that didn't happen. So like, I wasn't like mad at the system. It was just like, I was getting frustrated by the end of like waiting for that moment of like, yeah, break. You know? Yes, that, that's how I felt. Like, being like, when will Tao... Like, I guess that's, that is the dramatic irony of the story. As the the reader, you're like, this is bad. None of this yeah. is good. And, like, waiting for Tao right. to come out from ins- just himself. Like, he still didn't get there at the end. He's still so focused on his own yeah, revenge. His you know? Yeah. Like, so that I think like waiting for him to get see like the greater picture of what was happening around him where he was like why are people saluting me like he's so focused on revenge that he doesn't see that his climb to power is like is happening is happening is happening like he just doesn't get it it. right yeah he doesn't get I don't think we touched on this but the important thing was that scale Jayed was actually not made up of only right common right cast yes. we didn't talk about this it was right it was um jayed had found people that he realized were actually a lower class like a a common cast um mixed with a higher cast um so like the the what is it the lessers and the nobles it was like a lesser noble cast like a middle cast in between those but Tao is not that. He is purely common blood, which is a gross thing to say, but is the reality of the story. Is what's happening. Uh, yeah, so he finds that out, and Jayad is like, yeah, you're not really supposed to be here, but you just, like, didn't give up in fighting. Right. Uduak was, like, beating the shit out of you, so I kept you in here. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. it's supposed to, it's like taboo for like lessers and nobles to have children, and like to the extent that there's like myths about how uncommon it is that a lesser noble mixed baby like makes it to life. Like there are like myths about the miscarriage rate and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, like I think overall, like Tao has, you know, Tao rejects the system. Like he's like, this is fucked up. But he never is like, and I will take it upon myself to end it because he's so focused on this revenge thing that he is just like, boo, this stinks. I'm going to make it work for me, though. (laughs) He does not yet realize that the personal is also political. Ugh. He'll learn. (laughs) He has not recognized that yet. I'm dying to know if you were surprised by the ending. Um, the first time I read it, I do remember being like, there's something big is going to happen here. The, t- the sentence where um, Kellen doesn't believe that a coup could happen in his society and then he like realizes there's a coup and it's the last, it's the last line of the chapter and he goes, it's a coup. Oh, that, when I, the first time I read it, I remember being like, ah! I was like, Cut to commercial. You know, like, I was like, oh my god. Like, you know, like, yeah. it was like immediately, yeah. like, looks over the camera 
it's a cut to next episode you got next week on the rage of dragons right you know yeah yeah. yeah. someone pick this up for a tv series because it's basically done for you already right yes hbo well i interpreted this question when i saw it in our notes as like were you surprised by siora giving like offering Tao the yeah. championship. Yeah. And I I was not at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, because <laughs> yeah, that- also there was some like very heavy handed discussion of champions and what they do and like who wanted to fuck the queen. Like that was like a whole conversation that happened within Scale Jayed that I was like, oh, Tao's yeah. going to be the champion. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, we, we actually got that Kellen insert chapter. Too, yes. where he was like, I'm going to be the queen's champion. And and then he was like, you're better than me. Right. You know? Like and that's when like, we know. I can't, yeah. I, I can't help the queen because you are better than me. You know? You go. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely part of it. I mean, like, also, right, in terms of that, all that searching I was doing for, like, how this is all going to fall apart. In the last 150 pages, like... 100 or 50 not 150 in the last 100 or 50 pages it became very clear to me that the only way out and that would like still disable the system would be tau becoming champion um it was still sick as fuck um and he gets his little sitting on the hospital bed enraged moment but like it was it was visible from a long way off you know yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He gets the visit in the hospital. I've seen that in Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, <laughs> you know, all the literally all the almost heroes. any any military or war book ever written, he gets a visit in the hospital, right? Yep. Um Yep. Um do you think that you would read The Fires of Vengeance? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want someone yeah. to tell me what happens. Right? Like, I really want to know what goes on. I mean, like, maybe. I think now that we're more solidly in the, like, class struggle of the whole thing, yes. I could maybe get into it. Like, before it was sort of about, like, this book mainly focused on, like, one man's hunt for revenge. But now that we're sort of, like, moving beyond that into, like, how do we come together and, like, how are we talking about colonialization? Like, that I could be interested in. Yeah. Yeah, Evan Winter is still writing the third book right now. The second book's out, though, right? The second book is out, yes. I have not read it. I will... It's been on my TBR all, like, the past six months. Um, I will read it. Sometimes I just have a hard time reading sequels in general. <laughs> so, um, he is still writing the third book, I believe. Um, I think it's slated to come out sometime in 2024. Um but I bet, I think it was delayed, and I think it's probably because the middle one deals with, like, the undoing of the system, and then how the hell do you write a third book that's like, and this right. is the answer to the new system? Yeah. That shit's hard. It is hard. You're basically solving societal problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's why it's taken George R. R. Martin, like, you know, 12 years to write the winds of winter and he's still going you know because he's like yeah. has to slowly start wrapping up everything to be like and what's better than feudalism i don't know right 
Because it's certainly not the system that we've got in the real world, which is why we're writing a fantasy book in the fucking first place. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Anywho. Anywho. Well, do you have any final wrap-up thoughts on the book? Give Ciora a personality. Please. Dear God. Please, please, please. That's it. I know. (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll read and I'll let you know. Okay, that sounds good. I'll trust you if you say it's a must read. Yeah. How about you? Anything? Uh, Anything to part with this book for? Um, I think that Zuri's just the worst part of this book. In the second time, it was more, even more painful. It was worse. Yeah, Yeah. I can imagine. Worse, 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 worse. Um, and I was imagining you reading those parts, and I was imagining your thoughts (laughs) about those parts. (laughs) I was your inner man. If I recognize those parts as being awful, so will Teddy. So yeah. <laughs> I know it's yeah. coming. My final thought on the book as well <laughs> is that they hit us with an ensorcelled on the last page. Did you notice that? <laughs> the very last no. page. It's like the third to last sentence. Um, Ciora wants to know why oh, she what? feels ensorcelled by the fire in Tao's eyes. Yeah. Insourceful. Yeah. So add Insourcel. that to the insourceful count. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up that our discussion of the book. So we can head into our outro games. Yeah. Well, what are you reading now, Sarah? I'm reading The Tombs of Adwan by Ursula K. Le Guin. Earthsea Is it amazing? Is it yeah, so good? Yeah, actually, I... Yeah, it's really nice. It had I it took me a second to warm up to it because it's actually not from Ged's perspective. Mm. Um but I just we just met up with Ged and I'm like, "Oh, I'm excited." So, it's it's um it takes place in the um uh, the Kargish lands. Yeah. Ooh, fun. Like, I love the cards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, it's so it's quick so far. I've read like 100 pages of it today. Um it's so good. Um, what are you reading? Okay, so what I'm reading now, I'm reading Best Men by Sydney Carger, which is a gay romance book about falling in love during your best friend's wedding. Um, and it's fine. It's not particularly good, but I needed something that was like, get me out of the military now. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so that's why that's I went with some Ursula, Ursula K. Le Guin. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Fabulous. Okay, here on Shelving Cart, we love libraries. And so we play this game called Where'd You Get Your Book? (laughs) And if you get it from a library, you get a point because you're amazing and you're supporting your local library. If you get it from a big name retailer like Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Borders, if you lived 20 years ago, you get... um, no points. If you get it, nothing. If you get it from a indie bookseller, you get half a point because we love our indies. If you get it from Amazon or comparable services, you get minus two points because fuck Amazon. Um, yeah. So, Sarah, where'd you get your book? <laughs> my lovely boyfriend bought me a copy for my birthday this year from an indie bookstore in New York that had it in stock. Um, and actually, just quick, quick shout out to Sam, um, because it was on my TBR. He didn't even check, but he was looking at their website and was like, that looks like something Sarah would like. 
Oh, that's actually very I know. cute. I love that. I know. Um, um, and it is one of the nicest paperback copies books I have ever owned. The pages are like lusciously thick. I don't know how to describe it besides that. Yeah. So anyway, half a point? Half a point. Okay. <laughs> All right, Teddy, where did you get your book? From the library, bitches. So that brings me up a full point. Hit, we got to hit us with a drum roll. It's the end of the season. Oh my God. Oh my God. Holy shit. Okay. Drum roll. Yeah. We're tied. <laughs> we ended where we started. It all comes back Zero. to the beginning. Zero. Right. Exactly. And the, and the shock to no one, two librarians in a competition with each other equaled out because we both like to get our books from the from library. From the library. <laughs> I know so that this true. was a high stakes game the whole season, but yeah, what do we get <laughs> <laughs> to do it again? Yeah, so true. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, we get library yeah. cards. Um, yeah, <laughs> we get so. to know that we, in our hearts that we gave our local libraries circulation points. So true, fabulous and points, points, points. Sometimes baby. stimulated the local economy. The, uh, on the rare occasion right yeah yeah <laughs> um fabulous um, do you, what are your book recommendations for the rage of dragons if you enjoyed yeah. the rage of dragons what should you read next okay so as per usual we had the same idea which is annoying of us but it needed to happen the poppy war by rf kong yeah. uh very similar I mean- like it's essentially like it is exactly one-to-one in terms of like the kinds of things that you're thinking about and like the militarization aspect like all of it is like very intensely similar um i liked the poppy war better than rage of dragons not by like a huge margin but i did really like it a lot so that would be my go-to obvious choice my second go-to obvious choice uh library weekly stole for me game of thrones if you liked this book, yeah. you'd like Game of Thrones. Like, it's very, yeah, yeah. you'd like it. Um, in terms of, like, black fantasy and, like, black high fantasy, specifically in military fantasy, uh, The Unbroken by C.L. Clark is not only black high fantasy about the military, but is also gay. Um, and I think you can't go better than that. Uh, the Sword of Kaigen is not black high fantasy, but it is um, not white high fantasy um, and is also military. That's by M.L. Wang. Um, and then I'll throw something out that I want to know if you agree with. I would maybe go with Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon in that it's politics and dragons. I had this thought earlier in the week and then forgot it actually mm-hmm. when i was like went to go write it down and i was like priory of the orange tree because you have that the like champion queen relationship going on you've got the dragons you've got selling people out you've got falling power you've got growing power you've got unrest yes i agree yeah i fully if agree. you wish there were you've a got more romance maybe this would be better if you're interested in a long ass book <laughs> about dragons here we go yeah um, yes. priority of the orange tree um what would so you yes, recommend so that Sarah? Was a 
Yeah. That was a great list. Mine I picked the Poppy War. I actually thought you were gonna pick my also say my other recommendation too was Iron Widow, um, by Zeron J. Zhao. Um which we've talked about on the podcast before, but before Teddy had read it and I hadn't, but then I went and read it. And um, I would say Aaron Widow felt like almost like a, a more distilled version, like a faster paced version yes. of this. A, yes. a little less like war, like training montages going on, but revenge, it's a revenge story with more at stake than the actual revenge. There is the lovable big guy. <laughs> In, in the lovable misunderstood big guy yes <laughs> in the story yes also there's a whole part of it that involves like b- fighting in combat bigger than you actually are so true if that which was your key so point I... from rage of dragons yeah there you go yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, also like, like questions of combat, colonization com- right like it's exactly it's smart yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. exactly. So that was my other added recommendation. But yeah, Poppy War was my other one. I mean, I do feel like it's one-to-one Poppy War. Similarly, like I have been meaning to read the last two in that series um, for years. And I like can't get myself to, even though I liked the first one. And I'm trying very hard to also get to The Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter. So yeah. Who knows? Twenty twenty four is around the corner. It'll be a new year. Yeah. Perfect. New new reading new reading goals to be had, you know. Yeah. So So I think that just about wraps up this episode. Our last episode talking about book like the books for this season, but in two weeks we're actually going to do a wrap-up episode of the season talk about the books that we read as a whole, maybe talk about sci-fi fantasy books as a whole, and just talk about reading in general um so please tune in for that um and you can follow us on social media at at shelving cart on instagram twitter youtube tumblr and tiktok and our email is shelvingcart at gmail.com okay thanks bye bye one two three four shelving cart shelving cart shelving cart And Teddy, hey! Thank you for listening to Shelving Cart. Shelving Cart was created, written, and recorded by Sarah and Teddy, edited by Sarah, and the theme music is by Kate Gardine. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please rate and review us on any of your podcast listening apps. We greatly appreciate it. Battling illness. Plague. Okay.